0: St. Mary's Church, Homily for the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, September 9th, 2018. The book of Genesis contains two creation stories, not just one. Chapter 1, which we'll refer to as the first story, contains an overview of creation, and for many is the more familiar version. God said, Let there be light, and so it was and God saw that it was good. All of creation belongs somewhere in the timeline of that first story. But the second story delves into greater detail, especially regarding Adam and Eve. One of the biggest differences is how immediate and hands-on God is in chapter 2. We read that God forms man out of the earth and breathes the breath of life into his nostrils. The image of our Creator, not standing off in the distance or seated on a lofty throne, but kneeling in the mud, resembles a child playing in a sandbox. We learn that God crafted our first parents with loving care. All of us are a product not of chance, but of his handiwork. These are the images that came to my mind as I reflected on today's Gospel. Jesus chooses to deal with the deaf and mute man in a unique way because he wanted to show something to us as well. First of all, you might say that our Lord chooses to make something of a fuss over this healing. He takes the man aside, away from the rest, touches his face, and pronounces the phrase, be opened. There is an outward ritual of sorts accompanying the act. As the father shapes Adam out of the clay, so Christ lays hold of this man to restore him to health. If I were one of the apostles, I would have remembered this too as a remarkable scene. To us, the build-up to this healing may seem overly elaborate and unnecessary. After all, we're talking about the Son of God here. The only thing that seems to diminish the miracles he performs is a lack of faith in the recipients. Otherwise, Plenty of times we've heard about Christ curing the sick or possessed who were brought to him by the dozens. The power he displays in such moments is so large, so reliable. This is not like trying to start an old tractor, which was setting unused for several years. Maybe it'll fire up, and maybe it won't. We don't cross our fingers hoping Jesus will get it right this time, because we've seen his healing power flow so generously. On this occasion, though, he engages with the deaf-mute man more demonstrably. He helps us to recall how attentive the Father is to our needs. In light of that truth, what Jesus does here should not appear so peculiar. Another perplexing thing to us may be the Lord's pleading that no one else should find out about the healing he has worked. Hasn't he heard of marketing or advertising? In our age of shameless self-promotion, to keep a good thing under wraps may strike us as foolish and a missed opportunity. Scholars refer to this request of Jesus as the messianic secret, and numerous theories abound as to why he did this. Some say that by asking those he had healed not to spread the word about him, Jesus wanted to travel where he wished more freely, and so that people would learn about him directly from the source, without all the clouds of rumor swirling around. Others argue that Jesus wanted to control expectations, so that the crowds wouldn't get the wrong idea and conclude that every sick person would never get sick again. Instead, they were to see the Lord's healings as signs of the kingdom of heaven. I think that last point is right on the money. The ultimate freedom Jesus offers is from sin and antipathy against God. Such a spiritual healing remains effective long after God calls us from this life. The deaf and mute man in the Gospel, who by the way was fortunate enough to have concerned friends who brought him to Christ, represents the tragedy of spiritual deafness and muteness among God's people. How many of the ills of the earth are due largely to the spiritual deafness of those who cannot hear the still, small voice of God or the plaintive cries of humanity? They are too deaf to catch the pleas of their brothers and sisters, whether across the seas, across town, or across the street. They are too hard of hearing to catch the rumble of discontent over injustice or to discern the thunder of approaching storms. And as for the problem of being spiritually mute, are we not seeing how much impact Christians can have by simply speaking out boldly against what is wrong? The faithful are becoming more and more fed up with church leaders who use terms like caution and prudence as pretexts for their silence, behaving more like politicians than shepherds. It is hurtful to the body of Christ when the clergy decry evil selectively or with lukewarmness. We're not asking for recklessness, but for heaven's sake, there are grave moral evils that call only for a posture of warfare. Think, for example, of the image of Jesus with a whip in his hands, casting out the merchants from the temple. The combination of strong words and bold action will move us closer to a definitive protection of the children of God even if said action will expose the wretched crimes of those who should know better. When we speak with the confidence of Christ and the fire of the Holy Spirit, our words are not our own. So ask yourself, in what areas of my life is my faith prompting me to speak out? It's easy to respond, I'm not going to rock the boat. But if the boat is capsized, one has to rock the boat to turn it upright again. Lastly, notice that all of today's readings allude to poverty. God will be compassionate toward the poor. He will restore sight and hearing, as Isaiah prophesied, and as Jesus' his Son also showed. The poor have a lasting, unfailing advocate to turn to. Being poor in spirit means that we turn to the Spirit of the living God without hesitation. Being poor in spirit means, as St. James reminded us today, that we do not show partiality among ourselves. The goal is to see one another as God sees us, who, although different in some ways, are equal members of the human family in dignity. All of us will stand as poor people before the judgment seat of Christ. But when we ask God to supply what we lack, we will then have what we most need. Today's scriptures reinforce that fundamental beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Amen.